Happy Easter, friends. It is Resurrection Sunday as I'm recording this, but actually I'm going to post this on Monday. This is Experience 58, and it's called Easter Monday. Oh, I like it. And it's called Easter Monday because in some traditions, they actually celebrate, there's actually a holiday called Easter Monday. And here's why I like this. Several years ago, uh, I remember reading a quote by N.T. Wright, and he said something like how, (laughs) talked about how actually absurd it is that we go through the season in the church calendar called Lent, which is uh, 40 days, about six weeks of leading up to Easter, recognizing our own fallenness, humanness, sinfulness, how it's from dust we were formed to dust we will return. Then you get to Easter, so you have that all all that leading up to Good Friday, Silent Saturday, Easter Sunday, and N.T. Wright talks about how <laughs> absurd it is that after Easter Sunday, we like celebrate for one day, and then we move on to the next thing. So you have six weeks of this recognizing our humanness, uh, which leads to death, and then one day of celebrating resurrection, <laughs> and then <laughs> you're on to something else. There's actually a whole part of the Easter calendar called Eastertide, and it lasts 50 days, I believe, and it's this con- this continued celebration of Easter. So in some cultures, Easter Monday is a holiday of rest, of celebration, uh, of no school when your kids can do things like go to school. And so this, for me, is a reminder that we keep celebrating. Easter, as you hear this, was yesterday, or in the past, whenever you hear this, Uh, But on Monday, we still celebrate because it's still Easter and the resurrection still impacts us. So here we go. Easter Monday, experience number 58. By the way, it snowed overnight (laughs) where I live in northern Colorado. I'm used to, you think of Easter spring and and sunshine. I don't have a lot of sunshine here today, but uh, nothing can stop the resurrection of Jesus. So bring it on. Bring it on. Now, two days ago. I was riding my bike with my son because it wasn't snowing, <laughs> sunny and 70, and I noticed we, we went by a park by his the school where my kids go, and someone, I, I assume the city, had taken down the rims off the basketball hoop. Now, I think that's smart. I don't blame them, but it's almost uh, as if like because of life circumstances, uh, life is saying to us, game over. The rims are down. You can't play right now. Game over. That's a sort of death. That's Good Friday. Easter Sunday is when, or Easter Monday in this case, is when the rims, Jesus puts the rims back on. He's like, no, no, no. Game's not over anymore. Game on. Game on. And as far as being able to hang out with one another and play basketball, that, that that's still coming. But it's Easter Sunday. It's Easter Monday. It's Easter Tide where Jesus says, game's on. The the rims being down, that doesn't win anymore. It's it's a new day. It's a new day. So happy Resurrection Sunday. I want to look at the resurrection account from Matthew. Uh, the four Gospels tell the story and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. This is Matthew's version. We looked on Good Friday at Matthew's version of that, so we're going to continue the Matthew theme. And these writers come at it from slightly different angles. It's interesting because not all of the details match up to one another when you read the four accounts, which means those details aren't actually the things that matter. (laughs) What matters is the tomb is empty. And Matthew writes this, uh, chapter 28, verse 1, After the Sabbath... At dawn on the first day of the week, 
Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb, which before had Jesus' body in it. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. All right, pause here. It is dawn. It's the first day of the week, which means not only is it a new day, it's a new week. It's not night anymore. It's not last week anymore. It's a new day. It's a new week. Now, a couple things here. First, everything is scarier at night. Have you noticed that? Everything seems a bit more hopeless at night. Everything seems a little more uncertain at night. Think about when you were a kid and growing up and uh, what was scarier to you? What seemed more uncertain, the thunderstorms during the day or the thunderstorms at night? At night, the house noises at night always seemed worse or or, uh, more problematic than they did during the day. Uh, Thoughts that come into your head seem to bother us more at night when we can't sleep. Uh, when someone, if your kid is sick, at least in, in my experience, it always seems to be worse and more scary at night. Everything is more scary at night. Now, uh, that's Good Friday. What the resurrection says is it's not night anymore. <laughs> the resurrection is this blasting announcement. Hey, the night's over. It's dawn, Matthew says. It's a new day. It's a new week. And you get to the Gospel of John, actually. John has this whole theme of light and, and darkness. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a couple things John says to you. Uh, that actually, the very first chapter, verse 4 of the first chapter, talking about Jesus. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines where? In the darkness, because everything is scary when it's darker, and the darkness has not overcome it. John, right off the bat, hey, darkness doesn't win here. Darkness doesn't win. Yeah, everything's scarier at night, but but the light's here now, and so the darkness can't win. You go down a few verses to verse 9, and he says, true, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So he's the true light, and he's giving us light, and he's here. The night is over. You get you get a couple more chapters into John, chapter three. Let's go to verse nineteen and twenty. John says, "This is the verdict: Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed." So, so John has this kind of light is is like the truth. That's what that represents in Jesus and life. Darkness represents evil. Light equals truth and life. Darkness equals evil. You, you then, let's look at maybe one or two more here. Get to John chapter 8 and you have, let's see, verse 12 here. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but have the light of life. So here again, you have the theme of light versus darkness. Darkness, Good Friday, death, light, resurrection, Jesus. It's Easter Sunday. It's Easter Monday. It's Easter tide as the tradition goes. Uh, Let's keep going. 
couple more chapters later, John chapter 11, you have the death of Lazarus and you get to verse nine. Jesus says, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. If, if you're doing things that, that aren't conducive to bringing the kingdom of God to earth, boom, night. If you're doing things uh, that are bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, boom, light. Uh, you have, let's see, Nicodemus. If you know the story of Nicodemus, where is this? Back in chapter 3 of John. Uh, Nicodemus comes, he's a, a, a Roman, he's a Pharisee, and he's coming to Jesus, uh, verse 2 here of John 3. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who is from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So he's this Roman, or he's this Pharisee, this religious leader, um, who believes, apparently, in Jesus, but he comes to Jesus at night, uh, which signifies hiding because he didn't want other people to know. Now, what's interesting about Nicodemus is you get to the end of the Gospel of John, or close to it, where are we? Chapter 19 here, I believe. And Nicodemus goes uh, with this other dude to get Jesus' body after he's dead. So I'll uh, start in verse 28. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. That's Good Friday. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Interesting. You had to take the body down before it was dark on Friday because at sundown, that's when the Sabbath started. So it's actually still light, John tells us, when Nicodemus, the first time Nicodemus approaches Jesus, it's night, hiding, doesn't want other people to know. The second time, he's boldly coming in daylight to take Jesus' body and to bury it. Very interesting what John does here. Uh, so that's a bit about light and darkness in John. We kind of went off there, but um, I like it. Psalm... 30. What's in Psalm 30? Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So everything is scarier at night, but the resurrection of Jesus means it's not night anymore. Come on, it's a new day. It's a new week. Now, let's keep going. Uh, that was only two verses there. Let, uh, no, it was four. Let's go to chat, uh, verse five. Matthew 28. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. By the way, it's women who are the first to notice that Jesus is gone. It's women who are the witnesses, which blows up all sorts of gender roles and uh, traditions of the day where women, A, couldn't like testify in court, and B, uh, didn't have a ton of rights when it, when it came to that kind of thing. So go women. Okay, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here he has risen. There's been a resurrection, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. Like, don't stay here. Go and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So these women see the empty tomb. They're like, what? This isn't how, like, we thought the game was over. We thought it was going to be night forever. But Jesus isn't here. What happened? And this angel's like, boom, resurrection. 
Now go tell people. This resurrection wasn't expected. This is unexpectedly good. They couldn't have dreamed this in their wildest dreams. You thought it was over? Not only, the angel says, is it not over, but this is actually a better story than you thought it could be when you didn't think it was over. You went from, we're following Jesus, the Savior of the world, and we think he's just going to conquer Rome and everyone in our path, to boom, he's dead, game over, to, oh wait, this is a better story than we thought it was before he died. The one, here's the one thing you can expect about resurrection. The one thing you can expect about resurrection is that it's going to be unexpectedly good. When things, you have these plans, you have these thoughts, you know, you think you know the way things are going to go and they don't go that way. And it's this kind of death. And maybe it seems like it's going to be night forever, but what's on the other side of that death is resurrection. Yeah. It didn't go the way you thought things were going to go. Jesus is writing a better story. Resurrection will always be unexpectedly good. Okay. Second, what does the angel tell these women to do? Whatever you do, don't keep this to yourself. Go, go tell people. Light was meant to keep being shown and shared. Light was meant to keep being shown and shared. Yeah, you know, you know he's alive. Okay, go tell people. Go tell the disciples. Then he's then just Jesus, who's alive, who's not dead anymore. He's going to meet with you. Okay, let's keep going. Verses eight to ten. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Interesting. Then Jesus said to them, "Don't be afraid." or do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So uh, you have, again, like light was meant to be shown and shared. Life was meant to be shown and shared. They see Jesus. Greetings. Uh, don't be afraid, number one. Two, go tell my brothers. Go tell them. This isn't meant to be kept to yourself. Then they will see me. Now, there's this interesting phrase here Matthew writes. When the women see Jesus, they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. So they're trying to like hang on to Jesus. Okay, now the word Matthew uses here for clasped, uh, it, it means, he uses this word in this particular way a few different times in this gospel. It means to grasp. It means to seize. It means to take control of by force. Uh, let's look at a couple other interest instances where, where Matthew uses it this way. You go back to Matthew 12. Uh, this is teaching on Jesus being the Lord of the Sabbath. And so he's uh, teaching and he says, he said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? Take hold of it. That's, that's the word he uses here in the resurrection story. Would you not like take it by force and then lift it out? That, that same, same word. You get to verse 18 in Matthew. I'm flipping through my Bible here. Uh, verse 28, there is the parable of the unmerciful servant. Oh no, wait. Uh, verse 28. Yeah. The parable of the unmerciful servant. And Jesus says this, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. So the word he grabbed him here, it's the same word Matthew uses here for clasp. It's to grab by force. One more in case you don't believe me. 
Matthew chapter 22. This is the parable of the wedding banquet, Jesus tells. And where are we now? Verse 6, Jesus says, uh, here we'll start in verse 5. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized, same word, his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. So the word, and, and the women here aren't doing this with any malicious intent. I'm just saying the word here means to to grasp, to seize, to take control of, sometimes by force. Here's why this matters. You cannot control the resurrected Christ. You cannot control the story of the resurrected Christ. These women are holding on to him, like trying to take control of him, like stay here, stay here. Um, and, and what's Jesus' response? He says, no, no, don't clasp, go, go and tell my brothers. You're, you're clasping me. You're holding on to me. You're trying, you're seizing me. No, go. It reminds me of back in Exodus when uh, God leads the Israelites out of Egypt and they're between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army who's coming to kill them. And Moses says, the Lord is going to fight for you. You only need to be still. And the next verse, God's like, no, go. (laughs) What are you doing? Move on. Sometimes we need to be still and we need to, we need to just not move. And, but sometimes Jesus is like, go, don't, you can't, you can't control me. You can't control the story. What you can do is be joyful for this resurrection and you can share it with others and you can go show others why this matters and how this has impacted you. I recently read a, uh, I was reading through Galatians, this letter in the New Testament that Paul writes to this church in Galatia. And this line stuck out to me. This is chapter five, verse one. Paul writes, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I just, I had to read that over and over. I love it. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now the word freedom here, the the first time Paul uses it, it is for freedom that, uh, freedom that Christ, the word here is used as a noun and it means liberty. It means to be uh, unbound. It means it's the opposite of being constrained. It's the opposite of being bound. It's the opposite of being tied up. So he's saying this, it is for uh, liberty. It is to be unbound that Christ has set us free. And the second time he uses this word, it's in the verb form, and it means Christ has uh, released us from domination. What's Paul saying? It is for liberty. It is for unboundedness. <laughs> I just made up that word, I think. It is for not being tied up or constrained that Christ has released us from domination. Now, what's he actually released us from? Uh, one, the, the traditional word is, is sin. All the ways that we go against bringing the kingdom of God to earth. All the ways we kind of deviate from the path that God wants us to walk on. All the things that aren't helpful for us to thrive in our life, in our relationships with one another, in our relationships with this earth, in our relationship with God. All the ways, all the things we do that aren't the best, they actually go against our well-being. So so that's one. It is for freedom from sin and all of those things that, that simple way to say it, we, we, we do that we shouldn't be doing. It is for re- being released from that, that Christ has set us free. Uh, it is also from the release of, of law and rules that Christ has set us free. You get to the next chapter 
It's actually the end of Paul's letter to, to the church in Galatia. And this is chapter 6, verses 11 to 18. I'll just read it. See what large, <laughs> I love this part. So this is how he ends his letter. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. <laughs> like Paul using, using bubble letters like my kids do when they make, what are you talking about? Uh, Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. Oh, boom. Now you have circumcision versus uncircumcision, which is, do we actually, this is the law. Uh, The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. So you, you be circumcised to keep the law and to like be okay with the law. Uh, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, meaning we're not under the law anymore. Jesus has brought something else, namely freedom. Uh, Neither circumcision, circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. What counts is that it's a new day, that it's a new week, and that this has actually transformed our lives Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. What counts is the new creation. What counts is that what Jesus has done has impacted in such a way where we're free. We're not bound by the by our past. We're not bound by the things, our weaknesses, the things we aren't good at. We're not bound uh, by the things we do that we shouldn't have done. Jesus has come and lived and, and died on Good Friday, been brought to life on Resurrection Sunday for a better way, for freedom. It is for liberty that Christ has re- released us from domination. Now, this is the, the resurrection uh, brings us to have to versus get to. Right? When, you, when you're living in the law, it's, I have to do this. I have to do these things to follow Jesus. I, I have to fill in the blank. But what the resurrection says, no, 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 you get to. This isn't about being bound. This isn't about restraining you. This isn't about putting constraints on you. This is about freedom. You get to live in such a way that brings joy to the world. You get to live in such a way that loves your neighbor. You get to live in such a way that, that promotes how God has gifted you, the things you're good at, the things you're interested in. This is about have to. This is about you You get to do this. A couple questions. Is there a place in your life where you think you feel like it's going to be night forever? It's still Good Friday. The hoop is still down. And it's like, I don't think I'm ever going to get over this. I don't think I'm ever going to get past this. I, 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 don't, I, I think this loss is going to uh, ruin me forever. Resurrection Sunday says, no, 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 no. No, no, no. The hoop's back up. It might not be exactly the same. Uh, but this is unexpectedly good. This this can be better than you ever imagined. Is there a way you're trying to clasp onto Jesus? You're trying to you're trying to control the story. You're con- trying to control what Jesus is doing. You're trying to control what happens. You don't have to do that. You can live with an open heart. You can live with open hands. Like whatever happens here, Jesus. I know. I know you're in control. I know. Yeah, morning, crying, weeping may last for a night, but joy will come in the morning. Is there something you need to release? Is there a way you need to celebrate the release of something that 
isn't the most helpful for you. And you just need to let it go. You just need to let go. Jesus, give me something else. Give me something unexpectedly good. And then lastly, uh, is there, what do you need to do to promote your freedom? To promote that it is for liberty, for being unbounded by sin, by law, by rules, that Christ has released you from it. The hoop is back on. Do you need to rest today? Do you need to play a game? Do you need to, you need to study a resurrection passage or just pray, read it? Like, Jesus, what is it you want me to see here? Do you need to pray with someone? Do you need to, to, to quit something? Because it's not the most helpful for you. It's Easter, my friends, and Easter keeps going. We keep celebrating. It's still Easter. The hoop is back up. It's not night anymore because resurrection says it's a new day. It's a new week. At the end of this passage, Jesus says, you don't have to be afraid because I'm alive. Now go and tell someone about it. This has been What's True for Everybody, Easter Monday edition. Much love to you all. We'll talk to you soon. Grace and peace.